Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot, connect to more. Hour number two. It's time for our ESPN roundtable with former University of Montana Athletic Director Jim O'Day in studio with us. We appreciate that very much. Two Telling Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Howdy. Great to be with all of you. Uh, if you would uh, like to call, you can do that. 361-3688. You can also text that phone number, 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rankish Brothers RV phone line. If you would like to stream the show, you can do it on the World Wide Web, 1029ESPN.com. You jump in the stream, you listen live to the station all the time and this show when it's on as well the stream available thanks to opportunity bank of montana your local bank your opportunity if you missed anything in hour number one it's on the podcast that you tell nuana's podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts rate review and subscribe apple google spotify wherever you get to the podcast it's out there thanks to our friends at blackfoot communications Happy now to welcome in studio for our ESPN roundtable, a man who was a flight director at the University of Montana for seven years from 2005 to 2012 and has continued to be a uh, very involved in the community at the University of Montana and in Missoula in general and uh, an alumni going all the way back to the 70s. Am I right about this, that, Jim O'Day? That, that is correct. In that studio correct. with us. Great to have you here. And Jim, we wanted to talk to you there. The state of affairs uh, surrounding athletics, period, but especially college athletics, is is as uh, 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 as much of a roller coaster as it's ever been. Certainly in my lifetime, it just 
crazy. The circumstances that we have here with, you know, coronavirus, different regions of the country, different states dealing with different things. And particularly in the big sky, we know the big sky represents eight states and California and Montana are two very different states when it comes to things like this, regulations and population and so on. And as somebody who was, you know, a senior administrator and athletic director, when you look out at this, what do you think about? Like, when you think about this through the lens of trying to understand how to continue forward and administer sports in general, like this has to be, it's so multifaceted, it seems like it's hard to get your mind around, at least for me. What do you think about this when you look at it? Well, in all honesty, I'm glad I'm not having to make those decisions. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, a, a good friend of mine who I always trusted very much, uh, Terry Wanless, who used to be at Sac State and had been at University of North Dakota as well mm-hmm. as an athletic director. And we stay in touch a lot. And, and Terry's retired now down in, in uh, Kentucky. And and uh, both of us do a little bit of work on the side uh, on consulting with athletic uh, groups that look at different programs and what they might do here or what they should do. Um, but, but at the end of the conversation, it's always, aren't you glad you're not having to make this decision? And, and we're very agreeable on that, uh, as with others that I talked to that I uh, used to work with in the profession. You know, it's a, it's a very trying and challenging time because it's something that's totally different. Um, there, there's so many different things that, you know, and the NCAA is probably going to have to relax some things like they mm-hmm. did with with uh, the student athletes saying that you can have another year to play if you opt out or if you don't, you know, do whatever. Um, I think they're going to have to look at some situations. Yeah. You know, I, I know so far they've said, no, the rules are you have to have 14 sports to be an, an FCS school. Uh, you have to have at least 16 to be an FBS school. Uh, we're not willing to relax that. And yet some people are saying, well, we don't know what to do because our numbers only go into what the costs are of our programs. And, and the big costs are salaries and scholarships. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think we're going to see a lot of people. I think there's a lot of people out there still just kind of, they're numb. They're numb. Not really sure what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, some people do have some options. Uh, I mean, if you're a big school, you might have an athletic endowment that you can go in mm-hmm. and take from the corpus and, and save yourself that way. That's not really available to small schools unless universities decide that they're going to do that. And there's some talk around that that might be what they do. You know, maybe there will be big time donors that are helping. You know, sometimes that's that's helped different programs. But it's not a, a cure all for everything because you're still going to have some issues even in a year, you know, just the numbers from last year are certainly not going to be the same this year. And you can't expect them to go back to Norman another year because you really don't know what crowds are going to do or what other thing, what, what other pieces are going to be in there. So Jim, I have two questions about the money element of this thing. First of all, salaries and scholarships. That's what the main expenses are at the University of Montana Athletic Department. Same thing with Montana State and, by and large, most schools in the Big Sky Conference. Explain to people, though, where that money comes from, how it's raised. Because mostly the scholarship money is privately raised to the Grizzly Scholarship Association, right? But in terms of coaches' salaries, how much of that comes from the state? How much of that comes from the athletic department budget? How much is supplemented? How much is not? You know, every athletic department is different. Mm -hmm. You know, at, at our level, the ideal athletic department budget is made up like James Madison's. 
and uh, Jeff Bourne is a great friend of mine. He's the AD out there. Uh, we've joked about it for years, and right now he's probably still sitting there thinking, boy, I, I don't have it too bad. But they charge over $2,000 a student athletic fee. Right. And they have over 20,000 students. Right. You so you're making tens with, of millions of dollars just like you're, that. You know, you're, when you got $35, $40 million to start without selling a ticket, right. you're okay. That's why they were operating on a, a budget of more than $50 million compared to in the mid to low 20s, 20s. at Montana, Montana State, right? Correct. So, so you do have some of the schools that do rely on a student athletic fee that, that, that save them. Um, I think in the big sky, you have some. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sac State and some Sac of those. State, Northern Arizona, I believe. Northern has, Arizona yep. now has a student athletic fee that they didn't used to have. They mm-hmm. used to have more where they would get the same athletic allocation as Arizona and Arizona State. Now they also have a student athletic fee, which is helping them. And I know it's really helping them with them. They're building a new facilities down there. Um, others don't have it quite so good where they have to rely on the university itself to provide that money. Uh, you know, one thing that has always been very fortunate here at the University of Montana, football ticket sales are over $5 million. And if you have a $20 million, that's a quarter. That's yeah, a quarter of your right. budget right yep. there. So if you get that and then you get, you know, two to $3 million in in donations mm-hmm. or seat licensing fees for where your location is and your football or basketball tickets, you know, there now you're getting between that and, and what you get from Learfield Sports here, um, for your corporate and, and all of that, now you got about about half of it. That's about ten million dollars. Well, that leads me into my very next question then, because to me, when we were first starting to analyze this stuff at the beginning of the summer, talking about what the options were, there was so much narrative around student athlete welfare, the public health concerns, and all of the things that we all already know and most of us already agree on. But I kept saying that. There's three tiers of college football here. There's the top tier where the gate that they receive, the money that they make at the gate is only a small portion of the money that they're bringing in from a football game. Because even if you draw 110,000 people like Ohio State, you're still making $75 million from playing on TV in front of nobody, right? But then you have the other side of the coin, schools like Portland State and other schools in the Big Sky Conference where you have to have the money games to supplement your athletic budget. You need to make $1.5 to $2 million playing Pac-12 schools every year to be able to survive. But then there's this very distinctly unique and very small portion of teams like Montana and Montana State that make so much money at the gate and hardly any money on TV. So then to me, it seemed to me that the strategy for the Montana schools had to be if you want to have sustainability when it comes to football and other athletics was to figure out a way to delay this thing until you can have as many fans as you possibly can in the in the stands. I mean, what do you think of that premise? How many fans, I guess, does it take for it to be viable for Montana to have football games and athletics in general? Or I guess, is there a way for, for Montana to have athletic events with no one there and have it not just be this complete pitfall for financially? You know, I think it'd be hard. Yeah. You know, and this is, again, just my opinion. You know, I, I remember probably in in early April talking with some people and and we were talking about I said if I were an athletic director at Idaho State I would be thinking totally different than if I'm athletic director at Montana right yeah. um, at Idaho State I'm not in that bad a shape because I really don't rely on millions of dollars coming in from football ticket sales from my ticket sales whereas Montana Montana State North Dakota State they do uh, and so I'm sitting there thinking, you know what, if I can get out of this without bankrupting myself, mm-hmm. 
I'm okay. That's if, the irony of it, right? Because you don't make as much money, you're not, you don't stand to lose nearly as much money. And I think that's what you're seeing right now. I mean, you, you look at, again, you know, we, we've gone through the public health issues, but you also really need to look at the economic issues. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to, I mean, you, you, you look at the numbers. I mean, the Purdue's and the Ohio States and stuff in the world are probably going to spend a million to $2 million in testing. And they're right. getting cheap tests. Right. They're, they're, they're kind of the guinea pigs. They, they're getting some of these tests that are pretty new on the market that they looks like it's going to work. But they're getting it because of the publicity it's going to gain, uh, gain for this business, mm-hmm. this pharmaceutical business or whatever. The schools that are small are not going to get that. They're still going to be probably charged, you know, I mean, I think you can, some of those tests, some of them, they were saying like $10. So at $10, you can probably start to survive a little bit. But if you're having to pay 60 100 I mean, a quick test right now, I think is 140 Yes. Um, so if you're having to pay those kind of prices and the NSA says this is when you have to test and you have to test, I think, Wednesday or whatever, and you have to test all these student athletes, uh, it's just extremely tough. Well, going back, you know, months ago, which is the same as about 35 years in our time, the way <laughs> yeah. the world's shifting uh, in front of us. But I think that was the, the ultimate undoing of the Big Sky Conference, really. The FCS was the mandate by the NCAA of the weekly testing, which was going to be, at least from what we saw, about a $50,000 a week bill to the for football, not, just for, not even for the other sports. And so my question sort of dovetails what Coulter says, but... If you don't play football at all at the University of Montana, okay, you lose X amount of revenue from what you would normally have because of fans and so on and so forth. But also, you have a bunch of costs that you don't have. So you do lose money, but, but you know, there's a silver lining of you have reduced costs as well. To play a football game with testing, how many fans have to be there in order to lose the same amount of money that you're losing not playing? Does that make sense? Because yeah. you, if you ha- if you had 40 fans in the game and you played a game, you would lose so much more money than just not having the game. Is it eight thousand? Is it twelve thousand? Is it three thousand? Is it seventeen thousand? Like, how many do you have to get to get to that level where you're basically even with where you're at right now, not playing financially? Well, certain things would come into to the equation. Uh, you know, I know that one time the Big Sky was talking about playing a kind of regionalized schedule, mm-hmm. like an eight-game schedule where you'd have home and home where you'd say, Montana, you're going to play Eastern Washington, home and home, Idaho, home and home, Idaho State, home and home, and Montana State, home and home. You could make trips over in one day and come back, so you wouldn't have that expense. Yeah. Um, you'd cut down some of those expenses. If you don't have to get on an airplane and fly to California, there's 70000 saved right there. Right. Uh, and, and then the hotel for a lodging and all that stuff. So, I mean, those are all ways that you can look at it. Um, if you host 5,000 fans or 25,000 fans, you still have to have the personnel to work it. you got to clean the stadium. you got to have vendors out there. Who are they going to, I mean, are, are you going to have to, you're going to have to be cleaning all the restrooms and sanitizing sure. things a lot faster. You're going to have to be doing a lot of things. So there's going to be a lot of expenses that are out there. You know, they're not going to allow tailgates. So, you know, everybody's different. You look at the SEC and I watch some of those games and I'm thinking, well, it looks like they got about 50% yeah. in there. Plus they're also making 30, 40 million a year on the television. And then, I mean, they're, they're all sitting okay. 
Um, but you look at, at, at a school like here, I mean, and it, it, I just don't know. I mean, the expenses are so, you, you've got so much tied into a football season with 25,000 people. Right. I remember we used to set up a budget and you literally, it scared you to death, but you set it up based on a stadium full of about 97% capacity. Mm. Uh, and you're like, that's so that a lot. So that if you don't get 97%, you're falling short of your budget, even though you're having 24,500 people in the stands. And it wasn't that long ago we were in a budget deficit. Right. In 2003. And it doesn't take long to get that way when you're hoping, you know, right now, you know, I don't know what, what kind of crowd size you could get if you opened up the gate to everybody. Right. You know? And so if you are like what some of these schools are doing, like in the Big Ten and things like that, 15 to 20. Five percent, you know, you're talking less five thousand fans. You know, here in Montana, and I'm amazed at at the at the stupidity of everybody other than me, uh, because I have the answer here. One thousand people can go to the game, but you sell beer in the stadium. That's a hundred million dollars a weekend. You know, <laughs> right? Am I right about this? Are we in Montana but or what? Do you know, for true, God's sake. True or false, though, as the athletic director of Montana, <laughs> the question of why don't you sell beers probably has to be one of the top three questions you get asked by the layman, man, the, the common person, right? Yeah, and you know, I I'm not against the selling the beer in the stadium if you control it. Right. And I think you can control it. You you see it at the Osprey games and things like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. You can control it. You yeah. can cut it off at certain times. You can charge a lot more. It, it's a fundraiser. For sure. Number. For sure. Yeah. And you're not going to give it away for $3. Uh, I thought the one uh, great point that Ken Haslam, current University of Montana Athletic Director, made on this show, uh, oh, probably several months ago, we were talking about the same subject. And he was saying that one thing that gets lost sometimes is that the seating at Washington Grizzly Stadium has expanded, I think, six times since it was initially built, adding seats, whatever it might be. But it's grown from a 14,000-seat venue to one that can hold close to 27,000 people when it's at absolute maximum capacity. The corridors the and, and the facilities has not changed. It's still a 10,000-person stadium. So then if you say we're going to sell beer, okay, we're not going to allow re-entry into the stadium – no one can go to the bathroom. You sell everybody three <laughs> beers. Now you got, and you're talking about with this coronavirus going on, that would be the worst case scenario For possible sure. would be 200 people in line just to go to the bathroom. Yeah, that would have to be a half capacity stadium or less. And then you make up the the deal on, uh, you know, you can't have a tailgate anyway. So you just got to sell. That's the thing I think too, because a lot of this, people are not, there's a bunch of rules in place, right? The NCAA has all these rules, or but everything is up for grabs right now. Like anything could just be, well, we're going to for this year do this, and any school, right, could say, well, hey, for this year we can't, for a matter of public safety or maybe state or county regulations, have tailgate parties. For this year, we are going to sell beer in the stadium, and then and that's what it's going to be, and then we are intend to resume, you know, as usual the following year, whatever. Is that that stuff is possible, right? Well, the, the beer sales would be more of a statewide situation. Right. Or, you know, I mean, it, it's not going to be dictated by the NCAA. You know, that's going to be schools to schools looking sure, to see is, sure. it, is it worthwhile. You know, and that was a topic a year ago that we looked at. Trying to do that right now would be tough. Because, you know, yeah. if, if you are going to sell beer in the stadium, you're also going to put in more money for security because you're not going to put up with anybody. You're going to put in money, you know, you're going to ban people. So you got to have more people watching that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to put in more room. you got to put in more restrooms. So you got to have that. And you've got to put in a tailgate area 
for people that might want to go get. So those are all expenses that have to be included in that. For it's sure. not like it's a, you're going to make a bunch of money right away. At this particular point, that's probably the hardest thing that people are thinking of. I think so they're thinking, how would we put these people in and not cost more money by doing the mm. testing than what we're bringing in? You know, the one other thing that the people forget, and, and I found this out real fast, you give a thousand people or 5,000 people that get a go, who are they? How many of them are gonna be students? Because you're gonna have to have at least 2,000 of those tickets or half are gonna have to go to the students because it's about the students. Uh, we, we forget sometimes. So now if you have 5,000 and you give the students 2,000, you got 3,000, who, who gets the 3,000 tickets? Because you don't have a system in place that we, we've, we've talked about for years and years where you have a point system and you're rewarded for every year. You're, so you gotta try and figure that out. And you're also not guaranteed you're gonna sit in the same seat you were sitting in. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I, I, saw, I found that out twice or three times when we did that with men's basketball, where we moved people out of their seats to let the students come in uh, across uh, on, on the bottom of the floor there on that uh, east side. And we moved people out and it was not fun because people are all thinking, oh, that I'm all for it until they found out it was their seat. <laughs> right. And the same thing here. Former University of Montana Athletic Director Jim O'Day joining us on the ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls. Jim, I have a broad question. I don't even know if this fits into the, the state of affairs of the world at large right now, but I've just wondered this for a long time. In terms of the allocation of privately donated money, how does that work? Because I understand you can have privately donated money for facilities. That makes sense. Anytime anybody's arguing on campus, why did the university just build this $13 million champion center? Well, the donors, they said, this is what we want you to build, so you build it. That makes total sense to me. It also makes total sense the way that private money can be allocated for scholarships. People give a gift to the Grizzly Scholarship Association. That's used for student-athlete scholarships. By and large, that's how they fill $2 million plus million in expenses every year. But can there be private donations for things like making up for lost revenue in ticket sales or um, paying coaches' salaries? If somebody wanted to write the University of Montana Athletic Department a check and say, hey, we know you're going to lose $5 million by playing football in front of nobody. Here's $5 million. Could that, is that a possibility? Oh, absolutely. But, but not to salary. Can't, Sal can't salary. salary. Okay. Salary has to be approved. I, I would think still by the regents. By the board of regents. Yep. That that's going to be, but if you, you, you know, there's, there, there's a, 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 there's always a fund that you just, I mean, and I had some very, I was very fortunate that I had some great donors who would give me X amount of money each year to put where I thought it was most needed. If that was fifth-year scholarship, because we had more fifth-year people that we needed to graduate, it was not designated for any one particular thing. As long as it's within the confines of what your philosophy is and how that money is to be spent. But the salary part, that, that, that won't work. But if you said, I need money to pay my bills, and I have this a fund of money that I can, yes, you can use it for that. So if somebody said, I'll give you $10 million to make your department whole, it can be done. When it comes to coaching contracts, how do the bonuses work? Because you I know, know I, I understand that the base salary is allocated from state money and the Board of Regents have to approve that, but we've seen a variety of different contracts, particularly lately at the University of Montana. I mean, Travis DeCure's contract is like no contract I've ever seen with some of the bonuses he can receive. And so was, I know Bobby Houck has negotiated so he can have a bigger pool of money for his assistants and all sorts of different factors. So can some of that salary supplementation come privately or does it all have to be state money? 
Well, it has to be approved, but it, no, it, it can come. You know, you, you, you look at different pots. For example, um, if, if you have 47 suites in the football stadium. Right. And if you're getting an average of, say, $15,000 for each of the 47, that is considered private money. Right. Mm. Your GSA is considered private money, and it goes money that goes into the foundation. You can utilize some of that for things if you need it for that. At the end of the day, you just need to make sure that you have enough money to pay those salaries in in, in those bonus contracts. Right, right, right. If you, uh, as you look out, and let's use the University of Montana because, uh, you know, that's what what we all know the best, and here we are, uh, you know, in Missoula. What do you think is the most pressing issue, be it financial or otherwise, for for the athletic department now in, in, in October of 2020? You know, this pandemic has just changed everything so much. Before, right. I would have said sustainability because you need to find new revenue sources. And at this level, it's extremely tough. You know, you're not getting the television money that the big guys are getting. You're not getting the NCAA money that the big guys are getting. You, you know, you, you, you know our, our ticket price, I mean, you take the difference in what the University of Montana brings in in tickets versus anybody else at the FCS level, it's it's phenomenal. So can you, how much more can you raise those ticket prices? How much more can you raise your GSA prices, your seating license prices? How much more can you do that? Costs go up every day. Every day they're continuing to go up. So, you know, Learfield Sports, they have a, a, there's a great contract with Learfield Sports, you know, that guarantees them X amount of money. But you gotta hope, who knows what this pandemic's gonna do. If, if, if I'm an advertiser and I gave you $50,000 to advertise at a football game and there's no football games, do you think I'm going to pay you that $50,000? Right. Right. I'm, I'm probably not going to pay you because you haven't delivered. And so those are all things that you don't know. So sustainability would have been what I'd have said before, yeah. just because you've got to find ways to, you, you always got to find ways to make money. And it's so hard at this level. Like I said, television with the big guy. You know, when you're looking at Alabama and they're getting $40 million for television. Right. Basically for their football. Uh, and then they have other things that they're making all this money on. And what they charge for some of their ticket prices. It's just extremely hard at this level. It really is. One thing we've talked about a lot is just the um, seemingly imminent fracturing of college football. And I think that it's not a coincidence that you know, the, the Boise States of the world that were such great stories 10 to 15 years ago, Boise State has established itself absolutely as a national power with their TV revenue and, and the fact that they were able to be outside of their own conference and generating TV revenue. But that's here nor there. The Cinderella stories that could and used to exist in college football seem like a thing of the past. It seems to me like if you're in the Power Five, that's the only way you're ever going to have a fast track to the college football playoff. The rich seem to be getting richer. What, what is your overall analysis of just the state of college football? Because it seems to me the Power Five, especially the top schools in the Power Five, continue to drift away from the Group of Five, which continue to drift away from the FCS. And it seems like there's a, a lot of change on the horizon in terms of different schools, especially smaller schools, finding any sort of level of sustainability. Well, I think over the years, at least the t- last 10 years, we've seen change. Um, my personal opinion is I don't – I think – the bigger power five schools in the back of their mind, they know what they want the smaller, the mid majors for, they want them for some scheduling things and da 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 da. Mm-hmm. 
but they also would like to take the majority of the money. I mean, you look at the NCAA men's basketball tournament. It pays for 87 of the 88 championships. Um, so that's where the money is made. Um, the, the, the NCAA, uh, we're the championship for the NCAA, and it doesn't make money. I will tell you that right now. That championship does not make money. So they need money from that men's basketball tournament to help do it. That group of 65 in the Power Five would love to see much more of the money stay at home with them. Because they're like, you know what? At the end of the day, the top 16 teams in the NSA Men's Final Four tournament are about the same 30 teams. Mm-hmm. It's almost, you know, once in a while but, you'll get somebody to But they do take more i mean if you stick around longer in the tournament you get more at least for your conference and often Correct. for your school right so yeah. that that happens at a certain level but maybe not at the percentage yeah. split up that they would like to see well and you know you look at you look at the the texas ams and the texas uh ohio states of the world their annual budget is over 200 million dollars right <laughs> and you're looking at montana montana state at about 21 22 million it it and and yet you're playing division one it it just not it, it doesn't work yeah and so but you know what the one thing they're very lucky at some of those schools and and we saw a little bit of it at lsu this year they'd made enough money mm-hmm. but their athletic director wanted to hold some whereas in some of these schools what they do is they'll take 10 million that they even though they have a 200 million dollar budget they'll generate 220 million dollars in revenue and they'll give $20 million to build a new building on campus. And so it's really, all of a sudden, now you got the whole campus saying, hey, what are we doing? Why why are we including, you know, Troy State and Montana State? And mm-hmm. why, why are we, let's take the money. Mm-hmm. Television is here for us. And, and you're gonna, uh, the, the, I think the pandemic is just gonna push that a little bit faster because some schools are gonna have to make some decisions. I think, if some decisions are not made, like the Power Five, to kind of do their own thing, the Group of Five they can't keep with them, and 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 the schools, even some at the FCS level, what are they going to do? You're seeing some of these schools right now that are going and doing studies. We see Eastern Washington mm-hmm, is one, mm-hmm. saying, "What should we do? Can we continue to maintain at this level right now, or should we drop football, or should we go Division Two?" But some things have got to. Ch- because the month th- th- this year with the loss of money and revenue, you know, unless a bank's going to give you a big, uh, a, 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 you know, let you fund uh, finance something, which doesn't happen very often, uh, I, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it, Jim. Uh, this has been super insightful. Thank you so much for kind of the perspective and the thoughts. We know that we're in a very sort of naughty multifarious sort of situation that that there's not a clear path forward for just about anybody in a lot of things right now uh and as we sit here in our little seat thinking about sports and college sports and so on uh this has been very helpful to me and i'm sure to everybody listening as well so thank you for your time we appreciate that you better appreciate it guys jim o'day our espn roundtable we appreciate him being here espn roundtable is presented by Paradise Falls, Coulter Paradise Falls, 3621 Brook Street, south end of town. Great place to eat. Plenty of space in there to spread out and do all that kind of stuff. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. They got it all going on in there. A nice happy hour in the afternoons as well. And uh, if you need to do a little, you know, wagering, you can do that. It's Paradise Falls as well.
you want to need a place to watch some of the high school postseason stuff. Right. Like today, you know, you probably could have got the Class of soccer match. That's hard to find. Yes, it is. On, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday. But Paradise Falls has the ability to stream any and everything that you need. They have 30 big screen TVs, 18 draft beers, and a full menu for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's a great place for you, your Friday. family, your friends. Friday night and Saturday, the uh, class, there are all classes of football playoffs happening. Friday night, double A. Saturday, all the other classifications as well. Yeah, particularly if you want to watch some of those noon games, that'd be pretty big time as well. So go check out Paradise Falls, 3621 Brook Street in Missoula. Missoula's coolest hotspot. Next, speaking of wagering. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, sometimes it really hurts. Next. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot, connect to more. Motel under street lights in the city palms. Call me what you want when you want if you want. And you can call me names if you call me up. Three nights at the motel under street lights in the city palms. Is the, is the Dolphins Rams game in London? You can call me names if you call me up. I believe it is not. I think that- Why is it at 9 a.m.? I, I I haven't looked at this yet, uh, so I don't know the answer to that question. But I I think that all the London games were canceled. Uh, right. <laughs> I'm I'm before the season. I that think that would they, actually be something if there if there they made was that a, they made that a, a, a no game. not a thing. Is it actually at nine a.m.? It's eleven a.m. Eastern time. Yeah, nine a.m. Perhaps they're just trying to keep the slot intact. So 11 a.m. in the East Coast, they're playing Miami. Is there is there a hurricane coming through? I don't know. Uh, okay. Well, we will uh, look into that. Thank you, Coulter. It's 2 Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, uh, at Gus 2 Tell at 1029 uh, ESPN, and at Skyline Sports MT, your relevant Twitter handles. Uh, hope all are well. Thanks for being here with us. Uh, Coulter, this story came across the board here i thought this was interesting now they've been doing this daily fantasy a long time right this has been out there a couple years the draft kings and the you know whatever whatever all the different ones now uh they have these games where you're in a pool with you know thousands of other people you know potentially and whoever has the best you know pick the individual fantasy player week can win a million bucks you know what i mean uh, this story, courtesy of David Purdom of ESPN, uh, says that on Monday after the Rams-Bears game, Rob Hunts uh, of St. Louis, Missouri, won the $1 million prize, $1 million on the DraftKings contest. Called his friends, called his family, won a million bucks, took his dog on a walk, came back... <laughs> Came back. You heard about this? I haven't. To find out that a sack that had been credited to the Bears' defense had been discredited, rescheduled as a quarterback run. It was merely a, a tackle for loss, not an actual sack. And 
he was dropped from first place and a million dollars to sixth place for three grand. He loses $997,000 on a stat correction post-game. How awful is that? Now, if you've been the victim of losing a fantasy week on account of a stat correction that comes across the wire on Tuesday or Wednesday, and if you've played long enough, we've all been there, it is just mortifying. It's just awful. Yep. But think yet you got a million big ones. Now, like, it's great if you said, hey, you're going to take sixth and win $3,000. You'd be like, really? That's awesome. But not when you thought you won a mil. No kidding. Brutal. And you know what? This is, at a certain level, a uh, it's sort of like charging a hit or an air in baseball. It's a little bit subjective. The play in question was a a a fake handoff, okay, and then Jared Goff was rolling out and never had a chance for even the play to develop. He was tackled three yards behind the line of scrimmage. So this is not a question of, like, whether Goff was behind the line of scrimmage. He definitely was. He's a quarterback. He was sacked. But they determined that there was line uh, linemen blocking downfield, and so the expectation then is that it, in fact, was a cold running play not a pass play, even though it didn't develop long enough for it to actually be determined. You know, you didn't see what golf was going to do. He just went down in a heap. It was a non-starter. And uh, you got to believe that Rob Hunts of St. Louis believes that that was most certainly a pass play and that he has been on the short, very short end of this stick. Anyway, I said, you know, there's losers. He didn't lose. He won, but he didn't win what he thought he won. He's still got to go to work today. You know what I mean? It hurts. That would be such a bad beat, man. But at least, at least the investment isn't as significant. Well, sure. I mean, he might. That could have been a free game for crying out loud. I mean, it could have been the um, when the Atlanta Falcons were beating the Dallas Cowboys by what were they winning by? 24, 28 points. Right. I believe that. I believe at that moment in time... Actually, I think it was 15, but it was in the fourth quarter. Sure. Yeah. I think that it, there was a statistic, though, that in terms of after halftime, there had been 440 occurrences of an NFL team winning by three scores or more and their opponent having turned the ball over three times or more and the record of the team that was winning by three point three t- scores or more and the other team, had they had a plus three takeaway margin, basically was 440 and 0. No team had ever lost in that scenario yeah, ever. Yeah. The uh, there's in-game betting odds for especially for the money line. That's right. This poor soul decided he was going to try to make himself a quick $1000. The money line had moved to minus 35,000, which means you got to bet 35 grand to make 100. Or, no, it had moved it had moved to whatever it was this guy thirty five hundred. So he had to, he bet thirty five thousand dollars to try and win a thousand. He bet thirty five thousand yeah. dollars to try to That's win a right. thousand. That's right. And they lost. And they lost. And just he, basically said, "I'm going to take my life savings. And I'm just going to make an extra thousand dollars today because this is certain." I mean, this, maybe this it wasn't his life savings, but nonetheless, depending on where you get that money, you know, you come up missing a digit the next day. You can't pay that one back. Yeah, not great. Uh, not great. Uh, Coulter, a couple of NFL trades that we wanted to discuss here when we mm-hmm, got a minute. Mm-hmm. Everson Griffin goes to the Lions. 
and Carlos. <sighs> so sad that he's not with the Vikings anymore. Dunlap gets out of Cincinnati and goes where he is very much needed. Now, I don't know what level of Carlos Dunlap he is this year compared to I mean, Carlos Dunlap was one of the, the great defensive linemen uh, in the league for a couple of seasons. I mean, Carlos Dunlap is one of the most underrated players in the NFL. Great. But I I just don't know. I, I'm not saying he's dropped off. I have no idea. He might be great. What I am saying is, if ever there's a team that could use a Carlos Dunlap here in the middle of everything, it is the Seattle Seahawks. Do you have any idea what the deal was? What the uh, I know that he didn't want want to. He was a little bit disgruntled there in Cincinnati. But do you have any idea what the what the terms of this trade are? I do not know. Carlos Dunlap, though, he's had an impressive career. I mean, 81 and a half sacks. He's had at least six sacks in all but one of his NFL seasons. Even lately, he's been very good. I mean, since his peak in thir- in uh, 2015 when he had 13 and a half sacks, which got him his big contract, he's gone eight, 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 and nine. Those are good numbers, especially when you don't really have anybody on the other side playing. I know they have Geno Atkins, but he has been uh, sort of missing in action lately. It's unknown at this time what the compensation the uh, Bengals have received for Dunlap is. He is, by the way, he, one of the reasons he's disgruntled is because he had taken a little step back in terms of his uh, uh, playing time. And so well, presumably, he's been fighting with that coaching staff hard. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, he goes to Seattle, and they certainly need a guy, even if, you know, spot playing, you know, having a pass rush is great to have any time but you only need it for if i might be so obvious passing downs and if you can get a guy who can come in on a you know an obvious second third and long type of situation and give you some juice that's that is something that the seahawks certainly needs to tell new one is one espn radio real quick let's talk about michael thomas so other side michael thomas and perhaps rage against the machine right after this Coulter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan and you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's going to be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula. It's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Michael Thomas. Coulter's got a question. It's 2 Telling and 1029 ESPN Radio. SWX Montana Television at Gus Tutel at 1029 ESPN at Skyline Sports MT. If you missed anything in the show today, listen on the podcast. The Tutel and the podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. You can check out the podcast all the time. Google, Apple, Spotify, etc. The podcast is available thanks to Blackfoot Communications. Uh, all right, Coulter, you want to talk about the uh, enigma that is Michael Thomas with the Saints for the last month? What do you got? 
I've just been reading up on this a little bit, and it, it just seems like they're, they're, we're coming to a breaking point in New Orleans. And I think that there's more going on in New Orleans than just Michael Thomas has been hurt. Because to me, the Saints were one of the two, three, four best teams in the league last sure. year. They return everybody. They haven't had their guy that helps them stretch the field. And in their offense, they have to just dink and dunk their way down the field and have these elongated scoring drives if they don't have Michael Thomas. But when he's there, he can stretch the field. He can get you the long third down. I mean, he threatened the NFL record for receptions in a season last year. I mean, he's a, he's nearly peerless in how good he is. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins has sort of ascended the throne as best wide receiver in the league, but that's only because Michael Thomas has been hurt. Michael Thomas was pretty vocal about not liking the stuff that Drew Brees said in the offseason, and there's been a lot of stuff brewing internally, and it hasn't really hit the national media. I don't really know why, but if we follow the New Orleans beat writers and then you start reading about it on The Athletic and things like that, there's been a lot of weird stuff going on. His Twitter handle is Can't Guard Mike. There's a there's some anonymous people talking that in the Saints locker room, it's can't like Mike. That's what they're saying. Mm. I guess he's hyper competitive. He doesn't let anybody do a drill before him. That's something that you want as a leader in your team and a guy that's going to be paid like he is. But I think that there's more to than him just getting hurt and re-hurt. I think that there's some unrest and you have to wonder if that's matriculating into the Saints locker room because they've really, they don't look nearly as good, even though they have by and large the same personnel, despite the fact that he's been out. Well, they play, who do they play? They play, not Carolina this weekend. Who do the Saints play this um, weekend? The Bears. The Bears. Rematch of Super Bowl, I don't know, what, about 41 or something like that mm-hmm. going back when it was Rex Grossman and Peyton Manning? Yikes. Um, Not Peyton Manning, excuse me. <laughs> Drew Brees. Peyton Manning did not play for either the Bears or the Saints. No. Rex Grossman. Uh, Rex Grossman. Man. Rex Grossman started in a Super Bowl. Is Rex Grossman the best Bears quarterback of the 21st century? <laughs> Give fools a little more time. Uh, yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, as I was listening to Mike Greenberg earlier this week, and he just said, or maybe it was in the last week, he just said, my antenna is way, way up on the uh, New Orleans Saints. And I think there's good reason for it to be because some questions are going to have to be asked and answered here very, very soon, depending on what we see this weekend, uh, specifically, a.k.a. does Mike Thomas play and what does he look like? Uh, I think that is uh, will be a question that will need to be you know sorted out, figured out, answered. What game this weekend are you looking forward to the most in terms of? Uh, well, you know, only because NFL? only because we have such a huge argument over the replacement of your doppelganger in Miami. Mm. I'm looking forward to the Rams versus the Dolphins. Yeah. If you want to hear that argument, you can go check out the Make It Rainy podcast. It'll be up uh, here soon. And uh, Coulter, as usual, gets crushed by me in orated combat. We didn't really it, fight about this. Actually. It's 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 easy to live in the what have you done for me lately world. I also agree that what have you done for me lately is crucial if people regress. If we didn't live in a what have you done for me lately world, people would still be hearkening back to Sam Darnold in the Rose Bowl as a redshirt freshman rather than Sam Darnold doing largely not much since then at USC. But there's only been a few times in my life watching football where the guy comes into the game and you go, holy, holy hell. What, what's this thing that just came into the game? Tua Tagovailoa versus Georgia. I, yeah. n- I can't ever remember really yeah. a, a situation like that. Absolutely. We're sitting there thinking, 
what's Nick Saban doing? Yeah. Didn't Jalen Hurts win SEC Offensive Player of the Year last year? Yeah. Who's this left-handed Hawaiian guy? And then he just starts ripping throws. Yeah. And I get that he's been hurt, but I think that he, if if he's healthy, and I do not think the Dolphins would make this move unless he was healthy. I just can't imagine that he's not going to be spectacular. I'm not going to say that he's going to be necessarily elite or good right away, but he's going to make a couple throws that are make you say, wow. My condescension of this has nothing to do with Tua because I love Tua. I think Tua's going to be great. I, I do, and I think Tua has a very good chance to be really good right away. My problem is, is that this... The more that I look at this, the more that I see this, the more this stinks to me and feels to me. And even, you know, you're rumored about this is a, a decision that Brian Flores did not make. Mm. This is a decision that ownership made or at least, you know, administ- at the administrative level. Well, when the administration starts middling in football affairs, particularly when you've had a coach who's done a really good job in the, the year and a half that he's been there, it goes bad. It goes back because you think you know what's best, or you think you need to move jerseys, or you go whatever it is you got going on. And I don't. I, I I think that this stinks to high heaven. When Ryan Fitzpatrick didn't know that this was coming, and he is beloved in the locker room. When Tua didn't know that this was coming, and now has to be the guy who all the eyeballs are on him. It it's a bad look. It's a bad look. And Tua's going to be great. I hate the move, boys and girls. More. Tomorrow, it's to tell Nuanas ESPN Radio. See you then. Hi there. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.